Welcome to the Vomonti Group Incorporated shareholder update call today, Tuesday, August 4th. Before I turn the call over to Tan Tran, CEO of Vomonti Group Incorporated, traded on the -the over-the-counter exchange under the ticker symbol VMNT, let me give out this important information. This call is covered by safe harbor provisions, meaning that this call may contain forward-looking statements within the meaning of Section 27A of the Securities Act of 1933 as amended and Section 21E of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934 as amended. Those statements include the intent, belief, or current expectations of the company and its management team. Forward-looking statements are projections of events, revenues, income, future economics, research, development, reformulation, product performance, or management's plans and objectives for future operations. Some or all of the events or results anticipated by these forward-looking statements may not occur. Prospective investors are cautioned that any such forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve risk and uncertainties that actual results may differ materially from those projected in the forward-looking statements as a result of various factors. Accomplishing the strategy described herein is significantly dependent upon numerous factors, many that are not in management's control. With that, let me welcome Tan Tran, CEO of Vamonti Group. Tan, welcome to the call. Thank you, Stuart. It's good to be uh, talking to you again. It's been a while since we last talked. Before we get started, though, I want to send a, a warm welcome to everyone. Uh, 2020 certainly has been challenging for many of us, so I hope everyone and their families are well and staying healthy. And the same goes for you and your family store. For us, I'm happy to say that our company is doing well, and we have been actually you know, quite busy, so hopefully we'll be able to share some updates here throughout the call. So uh, with that, I'm now ready to take questions, so uh, let's just uh, get right to it. Well, very good. A new investor wrote in and said, I'm not that familiar with your company. Can you describe the company and its business model for us? Sure. Uh, Vermonti Group is a technology-driven holding company that looks to be active in emerging markets and innovative technologies. We aim to grow through development and investment of early-stage companies that have market-viable products. Vermonti was uh, founded with a clear mission to make it easier for entrepreneurs to raise capital and be part of a public company and for individual investors to access small private high-tech companies in the emerging markets of Vietnam and Southeast Asia. So why is that unique? If you think about it, until now, only VCs and highly connected angel investors have been able to participate in tech startups at the ground level. Vermonti allows anyone to easily access investment opportunities in those companies throughout portfolio. Because Vermonti is a publicly traded company, investing in Vermonti provides a clear exit plan. You can just sell your shares to the open market. So in a nutshell, we, uh, we see ourselves as a public investment conduit into Vietnam and the surrounding countries for smaller investors. This is what um, makes us unique. As a matter of fact, we have not been able to identify another public company with the same business model as ours. So why should investors care, right? That's the question. So you see our model is in direct contrast to uh, investment in a VC or private equity fund where your money often gets locked up for years and with the minimum ticket size often set at $250,000 and up. So it's also in contrast to investing in ETFs, 
which typically includes sizable exposure to some of the largest, most inefficient companies that trade at pretty high multiples. So at Vermonti, we strongly believe the winning strategy is a diversified portfolio of early-stage companies that are growing fast and can be acquired at a very attractive valuation plus direct access to a vast uh, pool of ground-level tech talents. So that's our business model. Very good. Well, the next question, I don't know that I completely agree with because I'm looking at your press wire, but the next question says your last press release was back on May 19 or May 2019. So I think maybe what they're trying to say is in your last press release from May 2019. Can you share what the company has been working on since then? Well, yes. Uh, first and foremost, in any given year, our focus is always to make sure we're financially sound and fundamentally strong and that our operations remain stable and ready to adapt to any new challenges. So let's just walk through what we've done since uh, May 2019. As I have said previously, our strategy is to invest in early-stage tech companies at good valuation and help them grow, basically becoming their investor and operator. Short-term, what this actually means is for us to work with the founders on a full-time basis, this is um, the case with Elon and funded. As soon as our investment in Elon was made in the second half of 2018, we became very active in their business planning as well as their day-to-day operations. So Elon finished 2018 on a good note, but we knew additional management support would need to be injected in order for the company to move up. So in early 2019, I agreed to become the CEO for funded to be more directly involved in leading the company to its uh, business objectives. Being the CEO for two companies is, uh, is very time-consuming, So there's, and there's only so many hours in a week. So the more funded grew, the more my time was in demand. Something had to give. This is why I was pretty much you know, absent on the PR front for, for Monte Group. Fortunately, it was time well invested. We grew Elon's revenue by 338% in 2019 compared to 2018 and became the market-leading P2P lending platform for the SMEs in Vietnam. After closing out 2019, we knew that in order for us to maintain our market position, we would need to go out for more capital. So we started engaging with institutional investors in early 2020. By the end of Q1, we opted to go with a term sheet that we liked from two U.S.-based investment funds. So Q2 was pretty much spent on going through the due diligence process with just uh, capital partners. We're able to complete everything and are now just in the process of wrapping up the final legal documents. During that uh, same period, we kept the business going and was able to hit a major milestone of $50 million in disbursement. So probably the best accomplishment for our 2020 is that not only we've managed to secure additional capital for the company, but at the same time, we may be able to sustain the growth of our business. And given what's going on with COVID-19, the fact that we've been able to secure financing from uh, U.S. capital partners, which are notoriously known for their high standards, is a major accomplishment and tremendous validation for our business. So with the additional capital, what I can say is that we now have much more flexibility in terms of expanding our business plans. So that pretty much sums up our progress since May 2019. Well, and I do want to point out the company did do an excellent update back on July 1st, 2020. So that press release is available using that ticker symbol VM. 
NT. Now, Tan, the next question is, what are the goals for the company going forward? Well, it's quite simple. With additional capital coming into Elon, we have our work cut out for us. We need to keep growing it by focusing on three things, revenue, profitability, and shareholder value. We want to finish 2020 with at least $20 million in total disbursement and then hit $50 million by the end of 2021 and then $100 million by 2022. At the end of the day, um, we understand that numbers speak volumes and we need to have numbers to back everything up. Our goal is to reach at least $1 million in recurring revenues in 2021, streamline our operation to reduce operating expenses, and expand to other cities and provinces in Vietnam. As for our Vermonti Group, we'll continue with the same formula to look at uh, making more investments in other startups, especially the ones that are complementary to what we're already doing with Elon. With uh, so many fintech and blockchain opportunities popping up in the region, we are well positioned to capitalize due to our experience and knowledge. This is the value that we bring to our investors. And of course, we do everything with an emphasis on revenue. Uh, Another thing we want to refocus on is to get uplisted. We had our 2016-2017 financials audited, and we're set on doing that in 2018, but then we decided to put all our resources into growing e-loan first. But definitely, uplisting is still part of our uh, plans going forward. All right, let's talk about the capital structure then for the company. Are there any convertible notes, and are you going to raise funds through selling the selling of common shares? Uh, we're going to focus on raising capital through equity, not debt. That's not to say we won't take on any debt. Uh, there certainly is an argument to be made that no debt is uh, good debt. But that's not necessarily smart for a company to be debt-free. A good debt, you know, allows us to make an acquisition or investment that has the potential to grow in value and generate long-term income. Taking on debt sometimes is a better option than selling equity since you're not diluting the existing shareholders. On the other hand, a company that uses no debt might be missing out on important business expense opportunities, right? However, one thing is for sure, though, we'll never take on toxic financing in the form of a convertible note. Uh, that allows the holder to essentially receive an unlimited amount of free trading shares when they convert their debt to common stock. In, in my opinion, that's essentially the beginning of the end for any public company. In our history of over six years, we have repeatedly declined multiple convertible notes offers, and I can assure you that we're not changing that position anytime soon. Very good. Well, then after securing institutional funding, what would be the next move? Uh, Well, first of all, without giving away all the details, I'm happy to say that the deal is a go, and we are in the process of wrapping up the final legal documents. We'll be making an announcement in the coming weeks, you know, once we've cleared everything. What I can tell you right now is that we're backed by capital partners who have well over $500 million in assets under management, not some small firms. That means as long as we deliver, we will have access to additional capital and the sky's the limit for us. Uh, Back to the question, Uh, whether through equity or through debt, the funding process for a startup never really stops, right? With backing from bona fide capital partners, we now have very good options. We can look to do a Series A equity raise for funded e-loan. We are already engaging in high-level talks with investment management firms based in Hong Kong and Singapore to identify lead investors. 
another option for us to consider is to raise capital through a Vermonti group and take controlling interest in funded Elon, allowing us to have enough assets to go to OTCQB or NASDAQ. This is actually part of our uh, uplisting plans. We're also discussing with some of our partners on a potential merger. But then again, each scenario has its own pros and cons, and we'll do a deep analysis on each. However, my goal, first and foremost, is to make a deal that's most beneficial for the shareholders of VMNT. Well, will you be looking to acquire more fintech, blockchain, or crypto-related companies in the future? Uh, The short answer is yes. We plan to operate our businesses in an integrated ecosystem manner, which means we aim to have our portfolio companies to be complementary to each other. If we see a potential target that has a product that can enhance Elon's roadmap, we'll certainly look at it very closely. So it's not a question of whether we'll acquire and invest, invest uh, in more companies. It's more about why. Uh, another point I want to bring up in terms of investing in more companies, of course, the market would like to see us uh, engaging with companies that have gotten a lot of media coverage. But sometimes, though, um, a low-profile investment is better than ones that are creating a lot of noise. For example, for a period of time, people sometimes wonder why the name Funded Elon didn't show up at a lot of local regional trade conferences, even though we're like one of the first movers in the SME uh, financing space in Vietnam. But there's a reason for that. You know, the, in my experience, there, there are three different types of startup. Uh, the first one, I mean, what I call, you know, uh, the pretending ones, most of them are run by first-time founders. And these so-called founders probably have never built a company or have any experience in startups before. They think that they have the best ideas, and their ideas are worth millions or billions of dollars. They spend a, a lot of time talking about their products and ideas and how well connected they are, but yet they cannot answer the simple question, why will people use your product, right? And then the second one, type two, the pitching ones, this type is very common. They're everywhere, and they pitch in every single pitching event, almost everyone knows who they are, what they do, and how well they are connected. They have beautiful, you know, slide decks, and everyone will be impressed by, and their designers, you know, spend hours on that slide deck uh, rather than the UX UIs of their product. And yet they don't have working products and with no customers lineup. And then finally, the real ones. Most of these startups never appear in public pitching events. Many people in the ecosystem don't even know they exist. They know exactly what problem they're fixing and why people would use their product. They're too busy building their products and shelling their company to even show up at any of the social events. Right? They're usually self-funded and often don't even have a professional-looking corporate deck. And yet, their products work, and they have revenues, and their customers are happy. This was the case with Elon. So we'll take the same approach with our next acquisition and investment. The question is, how do we locate them? So everything comes down to ground-level experience and knowledge. Well, very good. Thanks for your insight on that. That was very informative. Well, let's now move on. As you might know, the precious metal sector is hot right now. Are there any companies you're looking at at the moment? I assume you're referring to gold. As uh, we all know throughout history, gold has been a valuable commodity and has demonstrated stability and attractiveness over time through economic downturns. Matter of fact, is uh, price often tracks in opposition to economic swings. So yes, we'll consider 
taking a small percentage of our assets in uh, gold as an insurance policy. To us, gold can play four fundamental roles in our portfolio. A source of long-term risk-adjusted returns, uh, diversifier that can mitigate losses over time, uh, especially in times of market stress, a liquid asset with no credit risk, and a means to enhance our overall valuation. In terms of having ownership in a gold-related company, we're looking into that as well. It just so happens that since January, I've been having a conversation with one of the largest uh, gold refiners in West Africa. Uh, currently, they're working with big as well as artisanal and small-scale miners. They also owe quite a number of landlords that sit right in the middle of one of the biggest mineral bells on Earth in a part of West Africa that has just become the capital of the global gold industry. It's a place where mining firms are spending hundreds of millions on new acquisition. So there's every reason to believe that this company could deliver a massive upside to investors who get in early on the ground floor. The project was uh, brought to my attention through a long-standing partner in Singapore. The conversation initially was about how we could help injecting additional working capital into the business. Their capacity is about 24 tons a year, and we're talking about actual and already above-ground goal here. Uh, but just like any business, their growth is constrained by offering cash flow. If we're to make a play here, we would apply the same approach as we've done with uh, funded Elon we would aim to take 10% to 20% equity stake to start and work on getting them additional financing. Uh, the goal is to get in early and with a path for Vermonti to gain additional uh, ownership. This will give us a good revenue-producing asset as well as the permanent access to go at low prices. The one thing I want to note, though, for us, uh, technology is at the forefront of everything we do. Uh, besides capital injection, we want to look at ways to help them deploy technology to streamline their operations. One of the challenges they have is that as a company buying downstream, they need to be able to verify where the gold came from and the conditions under which it was produced. One possible solution is using blockchain to better manage their supply chain and ecosystem, which can provide an immutable record of information, such as what mine the gold came from, whether it has a license from the government, the quantity of the gold sold, and at what price. However, you, you can't just send blockchain into rural Africa and expect miners to use it, so there needs to be some kind of human-led onboarding process at first uh, so all the actors can work together. And, and that's what we're looking at. Well, very good. Are you looking to expand internationally besides Vietnam? Uh, yes. As we grow, going beyond Vietnam will definitely be part of our business expansion roadmap. Due to similar economic and social structures in Southeast Asia, local solutions can be easily duplicated regionally. Uh, there's plenty of companies wanting to team up with us to replicate what we've done in Vietnam. The question is when and with whom. Uh, the countries we're looking at are Laos, Cambodia, and Myanmar. However, the reality is that the total addressable market in Vietnam alone will keep us busy for years to come, though. 
All right. Well, let's go back in time a little bit here. Around December 2019, CEO and co-founder of Investree said in a press release, Investree currently has a 10% stake in e-loan. And when Vietnam's regulation clears, I want to increase my stake to become a controlling shareholder and change e-loan's name to Investree Vietnam. So my question to this is, when regulations clear... Will e-loan let Investry become the controlling shareholder? And if not, how much percent equity are you willing to give up to Investry? Well, for the right price, every business is for sale store. We don't say yes to a bad deal and we don't say no to a good deal, right? Um, a good deal is not always about the dollar amount. We need to also consider is uh, intrinsic value. We have a very good relationship with Investry, and it goes back several years, and they've been instrumental in our business you know, since day one. We constantly share ideas and are always in discussions on how to make the partnership better and stronger. As a matter of fact, I, I talk to them pretty much on a weekly basis. If there's an opportunity to take the partnership up another level, we're certainly not going to decline. And just to be clear about regulation, though, it's not that we're operating our business as an unlicensed entity. We do have an alternative lending license that we're operating under, and we're not in violation of any existing Vietnamese laws. Our company is currently not subject to any litigation at all, and the authorities are well aware of what we're doing. We have a pretty rigorous onboarding process where every borrower and investor must pass KYC and AML checks, and all transactions are only done through bank-wide transfer. What Adrian was referring to is the P2P license from the State Bank of Vietnam. Uh, at this moment, no company has that license in Vietnam. This is normal for any emerging market. Uh, regulation often trails innovation. Uh, let me explain. P2P lending services started in Vietnam only about three years ago which marked the industry as a very nation one. As such, the regulations on P2P lending are still relatively loose, and the State Bank of Vietnam had just now started to establish regulatory sandbox for online lending practices. Their goal is not to impede innovation or to shut down companies that are offering valuable services to the SMEs, but rather to keep bad actors away. So ELO has submitted a proposal to the State Bank for consideration, and our goal is to be one of the first to get this license. The proposal has been accepted and is currently under review, and we're actively conducting a dialogue-based approach and information exchange with the State Bank. All right, let's talk about future revenues. What are your future revenue projections for Vamonti, Funded, or ELOAN? Well, without going to specific projection numbers, and as I had mentioned earlier, I can tell you that uh, we're aiming to be at least $1 million in recurring revenues and with $50 million in total disbursement by the end of 2021. Our goal for e is to reach $100 million in total disbursement by 2022. With the additional capital, hopefully we're going to get there much faster than anticipated. But what does it mean for VRMT shareholders? Right, A lot of people are wondering how much funded e-loan is actually worth. So it all depends. In the P2P space, valuations are 
typically calculated based on multiples of three different models. First is the EBITDA. Second is on total disbursement, and the last one is on outstanding loan book. Pre-money evaluation for uh, early-stage company like funded e-loan, meaning pre-Series A or Series A, is based on the last one with an average multiplier of 2x to 2.5x. That puts funded e-loan at a projected valuation of about $45 million at the end of 2020. Of course, you know, there are other factors to consider, such as market size and competition, but the key here is that it's still growing, and Formanti is planning on increasing its stake, possibly even majority control. Well, let's talk now about e-loan. E-loan's business is booming. How is that happening, and is it because banks are actually more strict? Well, our business model is to serve the underbanked SMEs with banking services using a simple formula, better, faster, and cheaper. It's not that traditional banks don't want to lend to the SMEs. It's just not economical for them to do so, especially with small and short-term business loans. As much as they like to go after the market we're in, their current infrastructure just doesn't allow them to do it cost-effectively. At the same time, believe it or not, our goal is not for e-loan to compete with banks. Long-term, we actually look to build complementary partnerships with them. As we expand our business, we see our platform be more of a servicer for banks and other loan originators. Well, how is the economy of Vietnam? Is COVID-19 affecting your business? Well, as we all been seeing what's happening in 2020, uh, very few countries are unaffected by the global pandemic. But believe it or not, Vietnam is one of the few countries, if not the only one, thriving under COVID-19. But why is that? Well, for starters, Vietnam is considered as the new China. Many companies with factories in China had already started moving much of their business to Vietnam. This process was already happening before the arrival of COVID-19. But the pandemic has actually accelerated that even more. And we're not talking about small businesses or low-value-added industries either. In March, Samsung announced that it was moving more smartphone production to Vietnam due to the coronavirus. In May, Apple announced that it had moved some of its AirPods Pro manufacturing to Vietnam. Much of this is because uh, Vietnam has been one of the countries that has best managed the pandemic. For a country with close to 100 million people, it has only about 600 confirmed cases. Uh, but this is, this is far and beyond the uh, coronavirus. Vietnam has been growing and attracting companies for decades. More and more are relocating the country, and its outlook is still one of the brightest and expected to be one of the better performers in Asia this year. Its economy actually expanded unexpectedly during Q2 amid the outbreak. As a matter of fact, the country is still targeting 4-5% GDP growth this year, where other countries in the region are now just forecasting you know, 1-2%. So long-term, we're still very comfortable with the top-down view and about Vietnam's prospects due to uh, its low-cost labor and a very young population. For the next 6 to 12 months, though, if the virus continues to linger, we're concerned that uh, Vietnam's export-reliant economy won't be able to stay completely immune. However, we remain optimistic. Well, very good. Here's one from a shareholder. They just want to know, hey, can you put a dollar sign in front of VMNT, the ticker symbol, in your future tweets? Question mark. And thanks, exclamation point. 
Well, I don't see why not. I just need to check with our counsel first to make sure doing so will not put us in any kind of SEC violation. All right, very good. Well, let's leave it off with this final question. Why should someone buy shares in VMNT? I would say that you should consider taking up a position in VMNT only if you believe in the future prospects of fintech and blockchain and the emerging markets of Vietnam and Southeast Asia. So the economic data and reports are out there for everyone to see. Do your own research and draw your own conclusion. However, just like any business, regardless of how exciting and how well planned it is, it takes time to execute. Take Elon. It, it has taken us like two years of hard work to get the business to where it is, and we're just barely scratching the surface. Just because a company is in the right industry at the right time and in the right market, it doesn't mean the actual work is any less. We have proven ourselves with the ELO investments, so we know our strategy works. We just need to continue to build up our portfolio and deliver long-term value to our shareholders. Well, listeners, I want to thank you for sending in your questions. Investors, I want you to know you can reach out to Vermonti Group Incorporated Investor Relations at 1-800-768-1288. For those who were not able to listen live to this, please pass the note around that this will be available at the smallcapvoice.com website. And you just go on to our clients tab. Current clients, you will see the link to the Vermonti conference call today. So, Tan, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Stuart. It's been a pleasure, and I look forward to our next chat. Very good. Investors, that concludes our calls today.